There is nothing I love more than an amazing meal with high quality meat cooked at home because let's be honest, eating out is so expensive. And you also know that eating out is the number one budget buster. That is why I am so glad I found ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service dedicated to delivering high quality, grass fed and grass finished beef, organic chicken, pork raised crate free and wild caught seafood directly to your doorstep with free shipping always. You even get exclusive member deals, recipes, and a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing price. New users will receive their choice of two pounds of ground beef, three pounds of chicken thighs, or one pound of premium steak tips for a year. Use code ETM and get $20 off your first box at ButcherBox.com. Last night, we made a beef stew with meat from ButcherBox, and you can taste the difference. It was so satisfying and delicious. And all of our friends that were over for a dinner party, they raved at how good it was. So do yourself a favor and eat better this year with the best meat and seafood on the planet delivered to your door. ButcherBox is offering my listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential, three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips, for free in every order for a year. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm and use code etm to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money. And today we have an NBA story with the awesome Christina Wallace. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. Guys, girls, whoever is listening to this podcast, you need to know Christina Wallace. She is a serial entrepreneur, storyteller, and all around woman in tech. Her story is, I think, one that resonates with just about anyone, but she's sharing the amazing insights of how an NBA sort of opened the whole entire world to her. In fact, Mashable has called her one of the 44 female founders to know, and Refinery29 named her one of the most powerful women in New York City tech, all right? So she's definitely a force to be reckoned with, and I hope you enjoy hearing about her career journey, her journey as an NBA, her journey in tech, and what she thinks you need to know to get ahead in your career. All right, Christina, I'm so excited to have you join us on this MBA chat and talk all about your career. My gosh, when I was researching you, you have such an amazing career. So I'm definitely excited to bring this to all the listeners. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So maybe just to start off, um, 
you know, give us a little kind of like cocktail party version about <laughs> your career journey and maybe what some of the highlights have been. Oh, man. I mean, it really kind of depends on who's at this cocktail party. Um, <laughs> right? Uh, it, it, yeah, it's a just, tricky just one. Just some like really, really hip people at this cocktail party. Oh, okay. So uh, I say, hi, I'm Christina. Uh, I work, I'm an executive in kind of this tech and startup world now. Uh, but I started my career in the arts, in theater and opera. Um, and I'm still really passionate about and really involved in the arts world. Uh, ask me anything. I <laughs> love it. Awesome. So have there been any kind of highlights in your career journey thus far that have really stood out to you? Oh, man. I mean, I think every uh, every kind of pivot I've made um, has been uh, meaningful in its own way. Um, I, I feel like, you know, I started my career at the Metropolitan Opera, which is a, a pretty um, ambitious place to start at 22 is your first job out of college. And, um, you know, and I, I've uh, created a startup inside the American Museum of Natural History, which is also, you know, an amazing place to get to work. Uh, but then I've also, you know, gone and swung in the other direction. Direction. And, and and I've been a consultant with the Boston Consulting Group and got to give advice to CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. Um, and, you know, I started my own company. I started in, in uh, a fashion startup. And um, so I've, I've kind of been all over the place, which uh, a, a less generous reading of that would say I'm flighty and can't pick a thing. But, um, you know, I like to think that each step along the way, I learned something and that informed what I needed to learn next um, and what, you know, Know, got me curious and excited about next and then used that as a catalyst for my next step. Well, and I think that's great because, you know, the reality of kind of the working world now, especially for, you know, maybe younger millennials is that there's going to be a lot of career changes. This is mm -hmm. no longer like you stay with the same, you know, company for 30 years. Exactly. Um, and I think that's awesome because it, I, it just makes you really well diverse as well. I would imagine going into each new opportunity, you kind of bring all of that um, experience with you. Oh, totally. I mean, I'm the weird one in literally every setting I'm in, which is awesome, right? It makes me memorable. It gives me something orthogonal to add to the conversation, right? I'm not, I don't just look like every other person at the company or, um, or in that role. I mean, if you meet me at a cocktail party, you're probably going to remember me, which is a pretty awesome, you know, uh, positioning to have. Yeah. And I love reading your bio. Um, you call yourself a serial entrepreneur. And I, mm -hmm. I, I say the same thing about myself. I think I like came out of the womb. <laughs> ideas, you know, and, and, and it just you can't you can't take that out of someone. Yeah. Um, so what do you think really um, kind of excites you or drives you being an entrepreneur? I mean, I just I, I two things. One is that I love to make any situation better, right? If I see an opportunity for improvement, I can't help myself but but tinker um, and look for those opportunities to make it more efficient or more, you know, customer friendly or just like more sane. I think so many, uh, you know, interactions I have with businesses and I'm like, oh, who came up with this? This is insane. Um, so, you know, there's that, but the, there's also the like, I like to make things. And, and I think this is where entrepreneurship and my arts background um, overlap so much which is like, I like to take nothing and turn it into something. Um, and sort of that zero to two um, is so much more interesting to me than the like two to a hundred. Um, and, and so, you know, in, in that version for me, it means I'm much more likely to be kind of the founding CEO 
of going from an idea to the seed stage to series A, and then be that person who hands it off to a more professional CEO, than to be kind of the Mark Zuckerberg that stays with it all the way through scaling of an idea. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. So we're here talking about MBA as well. And, you know, I'd love to get your input. You know, do you think getting an MBA has helped you as a woman in your career? And and explain maybe why. Oh, man. I mean, I so there's like a lot of clauses in that that question. So and getting an MBA for me absolutely changed the direction of my career. You know, I, I come from a, a pretty um, working class family in, in Michigan, seventh generation Michigander. Um, and, you know, my family has been farmers and uh, assembly line um, machinists. And then, you know, my mom was a secretary. So um, the, the business world was not one that I had ever been exposed to. And, and and certainly kind of that Midwestern sensibility, the sort of risk averse, um, you do something that's stable and predictable, and you get your health care and you stick with it with your 3% raise every year until you retire. Um, exactly. I'm and, from Indiana, so I understand. <laughs> exactly, right? And so, you know, I, I set out, um, which then sounds crazy when you say, but you worked in the arts. I, I might have been the only person I know whose like family was psyched about them pursuing a career in the arts. Um and and so you know I I had I studied piano I'd studied cello and and been a classical musician my whole life and for me the stable career was arts management I wasn't setting out to be a performer which is a totally unpredictable career path I was setting out to be the person who had the day job and you know looked at the whole year and raised the money and planned the budgets and and kind of did all of that like that was interesting to me and also seemed like the stable and and you know slightly more uh, predictable approach. And I, you know, I got into that at the Met. It's sort of the, the largest nonprofit arts institution in the in the US, at least, and maybe one of the largest in the world. Um, and I got in there and I, I saw a couple of things. Um, one was that everyone was super in love with obviously the mission of the work, but there wasn't as much experience in the senior management levels um, around how to do the management side of it. <laughs> and right. that's the nicest way I can put it. Um, <laughs> and uh, number two, it wasn't an institution that was growing. And in fact, it was actually kind of shrinking year over year. And when you are super young, and you're at the lowest levels uh, of that hierarchy, you want to be at a place that's growing because you don't get opportunities, you don't get promotions, you don't, you know, get to stretch, unless someone else above you dies or retires in a place that's shrinking. And I kind of looked above me and I was like, everyone looks healthy and in their 50s, like... Nothing's going to happen here. Yeah. Right. I was like, it could be 10 years before I get promoted. And like, in truth, when I look at some of the people who I, I worked with and really, you know, loved and, and respected and, you know, 10, 11 years later, and many of them are still in the same roles, um, making about the same money and kind of doing the same thing we did 10 years ago. And I was like, yeah, I, it's a good thing I left. So, so that was a thing. But the other thing for me... Well, you know, one of the um, maybe the the big red flags when I first took the job at the Met that you know I, I didn't realize in the moment um, was that they they really liked tradition. They really liked to do things the way that things always had been done. And in fact, one of the things they had said to me before they gave me the the job was, you know. Your references, um, you know, speak very highly of you, but they all say you like to come in and change things. Um, we don't want that. We, we would like you to promise not to even ask to change anything in your first year here. 
And, you know, in my head, um, well, number one, I needed the job. I, I had moved to New York with about 600 bucks. And this was the only interview I got off of 50 resumes that I'd sent out. Right. Uh, so you're going to make this work. You know, <laughs> yeah, I was taking this job. I didn't care if they tell me I had to, you know, wear purple every day for the next year. Um, but, you know, in my head, what I heard was, after your first year, we will totally be open to your ideas, right? And so I, you know, I, I, I sat quietly and I took my notes and I made my list and I got to my year and then I said, okay, I've got some ideas, guys. And they were like, yeah, no, that's still not your job <laughs> to have to have ideas, to change things. And, you know, I was that was pretty bold in some of my my uh, ideas, particularly around the use of technology and automation. And I just I felt like so much of what we were doing manually could have have been turned into, you know, a, a process that we could use technology for. And in particular, you know, I double majored in math and theater. So I was like, I, I know how to write this code. I know how to structure these algorithms to, to kind of do my job. Um, we could outsource my job to the computer and then you could just put me somewhere else in the organization. And they're like, yeah, no. And I was like, okay, I, I should probably go somewhere else. Because if I stay here, like I said, like it could be 10 years and I could still be sitting here. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Financial anxiety, anyone? Yeah, you're not alone. But worrying about it, it doesn't help. Earnin does. Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 per day as you work and leave an additional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So, how would you spend the money you get from Earnin? Well, Honestly, my hubby and I have been feeling a little bit disconnected lately. That's what happens after you've been together about 12 years. So I would spend the money on a special date night with dinner and maybe bowling, you know, to bring back some of that giggly excitement that we both felt at the beginning. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security, gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, -N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin, T-A-L-K-A-N, money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin money under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash T-O-S for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Listen, if you've been using Mint to manage your money, I have got some news for you. First, the bad news. As you might know, Mint is shutting down for good. But the good news, 
Well, there is a way better alternative that is a personal favorite of mine, Monarch Money. And I'm not the only lover of Monarch Money. Many Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and just raving about it. I used to manage my money with an Excel spreadsheet. I know, so archaic. And it was so time consuming. I tried all of the apps. But I just didn't find one I liked until I found Monarch. And I've got to tell you a secret. Monarch is so easy to use with a very intuitive design. You can even collaborate with your partner and you can customize Monarch for whatever your needs are. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. Let's go back to the collaboration bit. Because we know money is a leading cause of divorce and breakups, Monarch has built-in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. You can see all your finances, make a budget together, get insights on your cash. Yes, cue the confetti. There will literally not be any more arguments over money. And if you've been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads, difficult to use, or rarely updated, so was Monarch. They built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful ad-free, and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Monarch has a tool that allows you as well to easily import your data from Mint. You can keep all of your tags and all of your categories. After trying Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. So I looked into arts management degrees and I was kind of looking, um, you know, at the curriculum and all those things. And I think somehow I stumbled across the MBA curriculum. And it was literally the first time I had ever considered business school. I didn't know an MBA. I didn't know anyone who had an MBA, right? Like this was this was not in my world. And I was like, wait, all of these classes sound super interesting. And I could totally do this. I'm a numbers girl and um, I'm smart. I'll figure it out. And so I, you know, I applied to business school, literally having never met anyone who had done this um, and decided to go. And that just blew open my understanding of what my option set was. You know, I I met people who had jobs I didn't know existed in industries I didn't know existed. And we had people come to campus. And, you know, we studied probably 500 cases over the two years of my MBA. And it just absolutely like stretched my imagination beyond what I even thought could be possible. Um, and and while I was there, really stumbled onto entrepreneurship, and in particular, in kind of tech startups. Um, and, and this coincided with, you know, a financial crisis in which there were no jobs. And so, you know, uh, entrepreneurship became a thing that, that Harvard really liked to talk about, uh, because that was one way of ensuring that we all had, uh, you know, and jobs that they could report in their employment statistics. Um, 
And, you know, it really kind of, it, it set the course for me. So my first job after business school was at BCG, which is where I did my my summer internship. And that was such an important year for me as almost like a finishing school on my MBA, where I got to put into practice all these things that I'd only really understood in an academic sense. Um, so I'm really grateful for that year. But it also taught me that I am in no way uh, set up to be a consultant. Like this was not a career path for me. Um, and, and, you know, so it was it was a great year that allowed me to learn and stretch and save money, uh, but made very clear to me that, you know, it's now or never, let's just go and start that first company. And, and so my MBA, it, it really just fundamentally changed the course of my life. Um, in addition to also, you know, teaching me all these things, giving me a network uh, that is just truly unparalleled into, you know, I'm one step away from almost anyone I could possibly want to meet. Um, And, and really just kind of giving me that credential um, that says you should, you know, maybe take a meeting with me, um, which I would hate to believe is required, but certainly doesn't hurt. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you get involved uh, with the Forte Foundation? Was that a part of your MBA experience? It wasn't. I, I actually discovered Forte after I'd started business school. And I was so bummed. I didn't even know this existed. Um, but I, you know, I had heard of the Forte Foundation and the fellows. Um, and then, you know, after I graduated, I, I just met a lot of people who had been in that foundation. And, um, and they started really kind of looking for ways to get the word out that the Forte Foundation exists and these scholarships exist and kind of these resources for people considering an MBA, um, obviously going through the process. And then after, you know, when when women are kind of in the field, um, just an amazing network and amazing resources. And they were trying to get the word out. And so uh, I eagerly raised my hand to to help them kind of spread the word, um, which is it's just an amazing uh, organization that really kind of works to uh, get more women uh, aware of the MBA and and the kind of potential that it offers, as well as helping them, you know, pursue business school and succeed there, and then really promoting them um, and helping them kind of build up those those relationships in that network afterward, which is it's, you know, uh, it's yeah, kind of an amazing everything. ecosystem. Yeah. 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 And there aren't many places where there aren't many opportunities, I should say, where you can go get a master's degree and have that kind of attention, especially being a female, you know, it's oftentimes I find you get a grad degree, and then you're kind of left out there by yourself again, you know. And so I think it's awesome. I mean, I wish they had been around when I was getting my MBA, <laughs> you know, to provide that that sort of lift. To help you take the skills that you learned and really then, you know, connect you in in that world that's going to help you get the jobs and the opportunities. Oh, absolutely. And it's such a great network, especially because it's cross schools, right? It's not just the, you know, the women alumni network from Harvard or from Stanford or, you know, your your particular school. It's this amazing network that that spans across all of the business schools that they have relationships with, um, which is just an amazing, I keep saying amazing, but I don't really have a better word for it. Um, It's just a really phenomenal uh, uh, you know, network and grounding so that when you graduate, you're not just, you know, kind of on your own. Yeah, absolutely. So you have been named, um, and I'm quoting here, one of the most powerful women in New York City tech, <laughs> 44 female founders to know, and on and on and on. So, I mean, what kind of advice 
would you offer to women out there, you know, that are that are really trying to make their way in their career? Do you have any tips that, you know, have really helped you kind of forge the way forward? Oh, man. Um, sure. Um, <laughs> I, I think I know that's a big question. It's a but... big question. I, you know, I think one of the, the big things that resonated with me when I first started at business school, and everyone kept saying networking, networking, networking. And I was like, what is this networking thing? And everyone made it sound like a job. And, you know, right. they had to like put on their networking outfit and get their networking business cards. And I was like, I don't understand this notion of networking. I just build relationships. And I I actually pulled one of the second year students aside and I was like, am I doing this wrong? And she's like, no, that's actually the goal. Like that's, that's what you're trying to do here. Because exchanging business cards at, you know, some networking event that you're going to follow up in some sort of transactional, you know, uh, exchange, like that's, that's not going to, that's not going to get you anywhere. That might, you know, get you one intro that's sort of half-hearted, um, or it might get your resume into the right person, but without kind of the endorsement behind it. But that's not where you get your leverage. Um, truly, it's about building relationships, and in doing so, kind of paying into that relationship before you need it to pay out. Um, and and so from there, I was like, okay, how can I build authentic relationships with people? And you know, one of one of my ways, like I'm I'm a huge just sort of social butterfly, which I'm also like an introvert, so I can do this really well, and then I need to be alone for a while to to recuperate. Um, I comprende. I'm the same yes, way. <laughs> exactly. So and so, you know, I like knowing what everyone's working on. I like you know understanding how I can help them or what they're looking for, what they need, and then like playing matchmaker and and I just. I kind of always have been that person who, who kind of knows what's going on and can and can you know set people up or help them find that thing or even be that person that they're looking for. And so I I just did that naturally in business school. I've done that naturally in the startup world since, and it has paid back in spades. Um, you know, uh, every opportunity that has come to me, whether you know launching my podcast with Forbes uh, a year and a half ago, um, or you know getting my my speaking opportunities that that now pay which is amazing, um, or getting to write for for books or for, you know, websites, all of that has been inbound with people coming and bringing me opportunities off of relationships that I had been investing in for for years, in some cases. So, you know, getting away from that transactional nature of like, I need to meet all the people and figure out what they can do for me and get their business cards. Like, that's not the goal. The goal is to just be an awesome person who's known as being helpful and authentic and building those relationships. And like, it, it comes back to you. The karma comes back to you. Yeah, I think that is probably some of the best advice anybody can offer. I mean, you said it so eloquently, and it really has been true in my career that, um, you know, that's the way opportunities work these days. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, both ways. It's just being a good person and and genuinely trying to connect with people and connect them with other people. And, um, you know, I think taking your ego out of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think like the being the good person piece is not to be overlooked. I think the the business world, the startup world, the uh, certainly the women in leadership roles of business world, these are small worlds. And, you know, someone you work with today is going to change jobs and you're going to change jobs. And like four years from now, you're going to be sitting across from them at a deal table or you're going to be sitting next to them as a coworker. And the last thing you want to do is make a stupid short term decision now that optimizes for you 
you but screws them over uh, that is going to come back to to bite you or become part of your reputation later i think like protecting your reputation and just being a genuinely good person is is the number one thing you have to keep in mind because like i i know that's hard to believe when when you see other stories in the news of other people getting ahead by not being good people but i i promise in the end you're going to sleep better at night and um you're never going to be in that awkward situation where you're like oh crap i need something from you and i totally was not the best person to you five years ago and we both know that Right. That awkward moment. Yes. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, Christina, thank you so much for taking some time to share your story. Um, no problem. I, I feel like we could talk forever and uh, <laughs> you have just such an amazing background. And I think it's so important, not just for women to share their stories like this, but really for everyone to hear, you know, the stories and the journeys, because I think we all realize how much all alike we are rather than different. And the world always wants to make us feel so different. Absolutely. Um, and so I just think it was just awesome to hear your story. And I appreciate it so much. And I know the listeners will as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. All right. So now we're all going to approach networking just a little bit differently, right? Now, seriously, it actually is, I think, one of the things that has made my career what it has and really is continuing to opening to open doors, I should say, that I I just couldn't open on my own. It's it's connecting with people, it's being nice to people. And, you know, it's really, I think, protecting those relationships. So they're there when you need them. And it's not always a tit for tat. A lot of times I help more people than they help me. And that's totally cool, right? Because what goes around comes around. So I hope you've enjoyed this podcast uh, about Christina. I'm sure you agree. She is just a amazing woman who uh, we all can look up to. This podcast was sponsored by Forte. Forte is an action-oriented nonprofit led and funded by a consortium of top schools and multinational corporations that are passionate about advancing women in business. And I think we can all say three cheers to that. I wish Forte was around when I was getting my MBA because they provide programming to women at all career stages. And they're really helping to move the needle forward by growing the number of women that are business leaders. All right. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Instagram at Shauna Game. And head on over to the show notes. We've got links to Christina Wallace, to the Forte Foundation. And do us a favor, if you like this podcast, share it with your friends, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. 